Hi, this is Matt Welsh with SpiritualMediaBlog.com, and today I'm here with Peter Roger, the director, producer, and writer of Oh My God, the epic documentary film that asks, What is God? Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for uh, inviting me, Matt. Um, so what was your inspiration for making Oh My God? Well, you know, it, it was born out of frustration. Um, basically, I think there's a very childish schoolyard mentality that's permeating the world. Um, I call it the my God is greater than your God syndrome, where you have grown men flying airplanes into buildings shouting God is great, 9-11, where you have the constitution of a country that dictates that its supreme leader is God's representative on Earth, Iran, which is allegedly making nuclear weapons where you have the leader of the free world who in 2003 said to the BBC that he invaded Iraq because God told him to. And, you know, where you have young women, young men, who blow themselves up and innocent other human beings to, in parenthesis, buy themselves a place into heaven. And I thought this was ridiculous. I didn't understand this whole mentality that seems to be so prevalent in our world today especially at a time when we have communication, internet, telephones, TV. Um, the world is shrinking, yet there seems to be so much division and conflict using this entity that goes by the name of God as the reasons for doing terribly heinous acts. So I thought I'd go around the world and ask people what they thought God is in the hope of understanding different people from different parts of the world and different cultures and different religions, and maybe then creating a discussion. And out of that discussion, perhaps, we might be able to learn something, and that learning could lead to tolerance. So that was really the inspiration of making the film. That's great. Um, why did you decide to ask people, what is God, rather than asking them, who is God? Because by asking who is God, you're immediately putting God in the image of a human being. And I wanted to look at God as an entity rather than as something that could be in the image of man and also be as objective as possible because uh, I really wanted to be like almost like an alien coming down to this country, uh, country, this, this planet full of human beings and asking them about an entity rather than something that could be, you know, a guy in the sky with a beard. So I wanted to be as objective as possible and I think that asking what makes it more objective than you know, than asking who. Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, did you set out with any goals in mind? Did you find a common theme in the answers you received? Yeah, that's so many common themes. Um, the, at the beginning, I didn't really think I had a film because there was just so much commonality. Because everybody would say, you know, God is the creator, God is the spirit, God is the thing that put us on this earth, God is the one that um, we meet when we die, God is the bird and the bees and the trees and the blah blah blue 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 it was very very similar and I, I wanted you know it was kind of boring so I wanted to find out um, you know what the difference is between what man does with God's name in a politicized manner and what God means to individuals on the ground level and the best way is to ask individuals their personal relationships that they have with God to be able to understand uh, that question and, you know, I'm not answering a question myself in this film. It's not about me. It's about learning what other people think so that an audience can come to terms with their own identity and their own relationship with this entity. 
Um, so there was a lot of commonality, as I found at the end of the film, or at the end of the filmmaking process, just an awful lot of human commonality. Right, right. Um, you know, one thing I noticed about the people you interviewed and the places you went is it's a pretty uh, diverse uh, group and area. Did you have any criteria set in place for which countries you visited or uh, the interviewees you sought? Well, you know what? You can't make a film about what people think God is without going to the Holy Land. So going to Israel and the Palestinian territories was a must. You can't make a film about what people think God is without embracing some of the main religions in the world. So that meant going to places where those religions are practiced and sort of came from, like India and um, you know, Europe and South, you know, middle parts of America and the United States and Central America. And, and then you, then I also wanted to include indigenous populations. So that meant Australia for the Aboriginal people and again, North America for the North American Indians. Um, then the Maasai in Kenya. Um, and then also belief systems and philosophies like Hinduism and Buddhism, so you've got India, and you've got Ladakh, and you've got um, uh, Japan, and so those were kind of musts as far as places to go, and the rest was really, who could I interview as anchor points to go to these places, and go, well, I know I got this person on this day, um, etc., but also to allow circumstance to take me through the experience so that I could find things on the way, so I allowed time to do that. And then it was a matter of just turning it over to American Express Platinum Card and organizing the travel in, in, an, in an economic manner so that it was actually all possible with round-the-world tickets and all that sort of stuff. So between all of those criteria, that's how the schedule you know, became a reality. Did you encounter any dangers in certain areas? For example, uh, how were you able to capture insights from Muslim extremists? Yeah, that was tough. Um, I was under a lot of danger a lot of the time, but I didn't know it, maybe out of naivety or out of um, just um, not being aware. And something else that I call um, photojournalist syndrome, where you feel you have a full sense of security because you're hiding behind a camera lens and it somehow makes you feel you know, invincible um, and takes away the vulnerability, even though it's it's a complete, you know, um, vacuous facade it's just a piece of glass um, so I was but I didn't really know it at the time getting the militants in Kashmir for example was very tricky but I, I had a lot of help from some very powerful friends who enabled me to get into areas that were restricted to other people um, I had protection I had help and I had um, you know people with submachine guns and I mean what you don't see when I'm shooting the militants is 35 commandos behind me um, so you know there was there were ways that, that that I was really really helped and danger happened you know a lot and it was actually only a couple of months ago that I learned that on a trip with KPS Gill who's one of the characters in the film when we were driving up to the Punjab from uh, Uttar Pradesh which is in the central part of India up to the Punjab in the north uh, we had to take a detour, and I didn't know why at the time we took a detour, but his character, he's a, a very eminent um, police officer. He used to be the head, like the equivalent of the head of the CIA, but for um, the Indian police service. And there was an assassination t attempt on him. We were, we were, we were uh, in a convoy with bulletproof cards, 
etc. Um, and there were IEDs on the side of the road, you know, waiting to blow up the convoy. Um, they got intelligence and we were diverted and avoided the catastrophe. But I didn't know that until much later. So, yeah, I guess I was under danger, but I didn't realize it. Wow. Um, is it true that you personally encountered some, some difficulties when you first set out to make this film and almost gave up making <laughs> yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. It was, it, that's a bizarre story. Um, and talk about serendipity or non-serendipity. I mean, uh, what happened is that I gathered all the stuff to make the film, bought the camera equipment, programmed the cameras myself because it was new technology at the time, and I'm a stickler for visuals. So um, I tested the cameras, uh, worked out, you know, different um, settings, etc. It took me a long time. Um, and then uh, off I went, and I was going on the first part of the journey to Tangier in Morocco. But I chose the very day that the terrorists uh, from... Um, the UK were thwarted. You know why you can't take liquids on board? It was that yeah. day. Um, oh it was August, two, August 2006. So when I arrived at LAX to travel to Tangier, Morocco, with all the camera equipment, my notes, my toothbrush, and the whole nine yards, uh, it was the first day in aviation history that you couldn't take hand luggage on board a plane. And normally for a filmmaker, you take your camera, your lens, your stock, your computer, your cell phone, all the stuff you really need so that you know that if anything goes missing, then you've still got a, you can still work. Well, uh, everything went in the hold, and I never saw it again. I stared at that conveyor belt in Tangier, Morocco, and none of my equipment, and not even my toothbrush, came out of the hole. And I was devastated. I was stuck in a foreign country with uh, a Ziploc bag and... Um, you know, some traveler's checks and the passport and no equipment. And I thought, hey, is somebody trying to tell me something? You know, here am I going around asking people, what is God? And then I lose my equipment. Oh, wow. And, you know, it never happened to me before. And then I thought, well, maybe no. That's not a reason to stop and give up. Let's start again. So I did. I got myself back to the States. I got the insurance money, which was a big battle. But thank God, you know, it, it came through. Reprogrammed the cameras and started again. And then I actually hit a sequence of events that was much more fortuitous for me than it would have been had I started two months earlier. So actually out of a negative, a positive can come. That's great. And how about interviewing uh, the celebrities like uh, Ringo Starr and Hugh Jackman? I mean, how were you able to capture such personal insights about God and religion from so many notable celebrities? Well, I was very fortunate. Um, I knew friends that knew them, and some of the celebrities came to me via th uh, friends who, you know, they saw uh, a trailer that I cut of early footage of the film and felt passionate about the subject, and they kindly enough agreed to be in the film, and I'm deeply uh, appreciative to that because, you know, it is a heavy film, and here, I'm, here am I going around the world asking a lot of talking head stuff and 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 photographing uh, sort of an anthropological, sociological look at the world through a camera lens, and you really need to, it's, it's good to have people that, in the film that people recognize, that the audience can identify with, and to hear famous people talk candidly and openly about um, their, their, their relationship with this entity called God. And so I was fortunate to be able to just, you know, run into them. I mean, I tried getting many others, 
a lot of people said yes, a lot of people said no. Those that said yes, our schedules didn't meet, and um, I was very fortunate with the ones that I have because actually what they they say in the film is really cool. You, know, you have Bob Geldof, who is a staunch atheist, and then you have Ringo Starr, um, who talks about love, and then you have David Copperfield, who talks about being an illusionist and the fact that the first religious leaders were illusionists, just like him, and that he does believe in a higher power, but if he was a little bit more unscrupulous and lived at a different time, uh, you know, he could have invented his own religion. And then you have, you know, other, other people like Hugh Jackman, who is an, an extremely spiritual person, who's very focused, who understands his relationship with what his God is to him. And he talks very, very passionately and, and says some very, very wise things in the film that really drive it along. And I think that, you know, you want to have familiar faces talking about things that you wouldn't necessarily hear. Seal, for example, talks about his family and uh, the relationship he has with his kids and, and Heidi and how, uh, um, you know, he, he likes to see God in other people. And um, it's, it, I was blessed, you know, I was, I was very lucky. Yeah, no, it's great. How about the children in the cancer center you interviewed? They were extremely touching and profound. Uh, what made you decide to interview them? Well, I look at it like this. I think if you really want to see this energy, which a lot of people would refer to as God, you look into a child's eye. You know, when somebody comes out of the womb, when they're first born, and they're st taking their first steps and exploring this world, they don't discriminate. They don't look down on another human being or another toddler because they're black or white or green or yellow or orange or disabled or, you know, different from they are. They accept people on a, um, a very generous, humane level. It's only when they grow up and become tainted probably by ideas, ideologies, social events and um, geographical rituals and cultures, etc., that they formulate themselves into being human beings. So I thought... Look, we all understand that amazing look in a child's eye. What about a child that is facing death? How does how does that work, and how does that relate to what this entity that goes by the name of God is to them? Because that's tough. And I was amazed. I learned a lot from that day in the in the cancer ward, and just having these kids talk about, you know, their faith and whatever they have and what they're holding on to um, in their horrendously impossible situation at such a young age was harrowing and enlightening at the same time, and it blew me away. Wow, that's fantastic that you were able to have that sort of experience. Um, what moved or surprised you the most during your filmmaking journey? The answer that Christian Hernandez in the cancer hospital gave me when I posed him a question, and I'm not going to give it away, it was the most moving part of the film for me out of all the countries that I went to. Christian being uh, a young 10-year-old who was diagnosed with a particularly nasty form of leukemia, and um, his answer to the question I posed is just so emotionally enlightening. It, it was amazing, and that surprised me the most. Um, I was also surprised at the humanity I found across the world. Uh, that you know, human beings really are very much alike, and it's just it's crazy that we're just cut up into boxes, and these boxes fight each other and have div division. I also found that you know, religions aren't all about conflict. There's an awful lot of good that comes out of them. There's an awful lot of misinterpretation and bad press.
I learned just how what a bad rap the Muslims are having because of this terrible um, amount of fanaticism and fundamentalism of evil-minded individuals who are hijacking their religion. I learned about the grace of humanity in indigenous populations and how similar they were across continents. And the North American Indians were so similar to the Aboriginals, so similar, sim similar to the Maasai, so similar to the philosophies of paganism and Druids. I felt that humanity was much more united on this earth than it is divided. Wow, that's great. That sounds like a pretty powerful uh, journey. Um, where is the film right right now? If, if we want to watch it, how can we watch the film or find out more information about the film? Thanks for asking that question. Um, the film is coming out in theaters in a platform release in Los Angeles and New York uh, this Friday, the 13th of November, um, at the Landmark Theatres, Sunshine in New York, New Art Theatre in Los Angeles, and in Irvine um, in Orange County. And then it's coming out also in um, other markets across the country on the 27th of November. And uh, all the information is available um, by going to the website, which is omgmovie.com. OMG is in Oh My God movie, one word, dot com, and there's uh, all the show times, um, and it's going to be coming out in Atlanta, San Diego, San Francisco, Berkeley, um, San Jose, Philadelphia, Denver, Minneapolis, Boston, Seattle, Portland, St. Louis, Chicago, Highland Park, um, and it's in West Park 8 on the 13th this Friday in Irvine. Um, and um, it's all very exciting, and, and I hope that it creates a discussion, actually. That's the main thing um, that we, we need to do these days, is to talk about our differences and realize we're more the same, just by arguing a little bit healthily. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Peter, for taking the time to be with us today, and I'll give you the last word. Is there anything you want to leave um, our listeners with today? Yeah, if each one of us did a kind act to somebody else every day, the world would be a better place. Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> Quite simple. <laughs> yeah, it really is, but no, it's perfect. Um, well, thanks again for being with us today, and I look, uh, would encourage everybody to go see, oh my God, it just it looks fascinating and exciting and interesting. And thank you for making it, too. It looks like a great movie. Brilliant, Matt. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, no problem. Okay.